Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Amen. We're going to dismiss our bridge class. And I'm so excited to bring the Word to you today. We're going to continue talking about the subject that we started last week. You know the grace. You know the grace. And... Uh, you know, it, it's so, so vitally important to our lives. Sometimes we don't realize, you, you know, the thing that was just so strong in my spirit just a, a, a few minutes ago was how many people, you know, when it comes to the things of God, it's like a, it's just, well, I hear people say, you know, my faith is an important part of my life. It's an important part of my life. And see, as long as it is a part of your life, you're never going to really, you see, you cannot, you cannot ever experience the full benefit of the Christian life unless you fully engage. You know, you, you, as long as it's part of your life, you're going to experience part of the benefit. Because, you know, to, to so many people, it's a, I can take it or leave it. You know, I don't know about you, but when, when we were not able to meet together, I could not wait until the day that we could come back together. You know, it was, it, I, I couldn't stand just not being able to join together with the people of God. And, uh, you know, that's, that's because this is more than part of my life. This is my life. Praise God. Now, uh, I, I just, I, I really sense that, some of you, and, and not necessarily those, you know, sitting in the room, you're, you're, you're the people, you, you couldn't wait to get back either, all right? You couldn't wait to come back either. But there are, there are numerous people that are watching me today that it really wasn't all that important to you. I, I know a whole lot of people that griped and complained about the government locking down churches, and when the government opened them back up, you still haven't seen them. You know, were you just griping to have something to gripe about? 
you know? I'm wondering. Now, if you seriously have concerns about coming to a gathering of people, I understand that. I'm okay with that. I mean, that that wouldn't be my personal choice, but, you know, that's uh, that's between you and God, and, and I respect that. But if you're just one of those people that you griped about not being able to come, and now that you can come, you don't, you know, what, what, what does that say? What, what does that say? It just says you're a griper and a complainer. You know, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get off of that. That's not where I wanted to go today. Uh, but I just felt like that needed to be said. Uh, you know, that uh, you've got to make up your own mind about that. If you don't feel safe coming, then by all means, join us online. But connect. If you're joining us, you say, well, I, I just feel like I, you know, I don't really feel safe going to, going to a, a gathering of people. Well, then let us know you're at least connected. Don't, don't just disappear and vanish off the face of the earth so we don't know, what, you know. Let us know. Connect. You know, we've, we've tried to make that possible for you to connect. But that doesn't mean we call you and connect with you. That means you connect with us. Why? Because there's, you know, there's a whole lot more of you than there are of us. Okay? Praise God. Enough said about that. Let's talk about grace. Amen? You missed a good place, you know, right, right there. Let's talk about grace. That's a whole lot more fun to talk about. Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, we could focus in on the last part of this verse. This is not, we, we may touch on this some, but this is really not, where our focus is, the last part of it where it says that he became poor for your, that you through his poverty might become rich. I want to focus on the part of this that says that for your sakes he became. For your sakes he became. And so this is really the essence of what grace is. For your sake he became poor. And grace really could be summed up in that phrase, for your sake he became. Praise God. Jesus became something for your sake or for your benefit. Praise God. Now, let's, let's get this. Let's go on. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 6. We really dug into this one last week where he says, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5 and 6. He says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Let this mind 
be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, what mind was in Christ Jesus that for your sakes he did something? Praise God. For your sakes he did something. Now, in, in uh, verse number 7, that continues with this. It says, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, by comparison, you know, I mean, let, let, let's think about what did it mean for Jesus to become man, to become flesh. He did it, remember this, he did it for your sakes. Not for his sake. He did it for your sake. Praise God. And so what did it mean for him to become flesh? Now think of this. Jesus is God, right? He is the incarnation of God. He is God that became flesh and dwelt among us. He came and lived on this earth, lived here as a man. He emptied himself. Nobody took anything away from him. He laid it all down for your sakes. Praise God. But we're talking God in heaven. He is God the Word. Remember this, you know, we don't, we don't talk about, or we don't say, use the term God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit because it is God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Spirit. All God. All God. Jesus is no less God than God the Father. He's no less God than God the Holy Spirit. And so we're talking about God, a, a triune being. And you say, well, is there, is there three gods? Well, I like to, to illustrate that point like this. You know, we've got Sonia sitting here. And we've got Sonia the Spirit. We can't see Sonia the Spirit. Sonia the Spirit is inside Sonia the body. All right? We got Sonia the spirit, Sonia the soul, which is her mind, will, and emotions. We can't see the soul either. Her mind, will, and emotions. And then we have Sonia the body. And that's the part that we see. That doesn't mean there are three Sonias. All right? That means there are three in one. Okay? God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one. But no member of the Trinity is any less God than any other part of the Trinity. Praise God. And so we have Jesus, who I remind you, we didn't know him as Jesus until 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. He was God the Word 
In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right? So we have God, the Word, who is in heaven with God, and yet 2,000 years ago, he came in the likeness of men. He was born of a baby, uh, born a baby, born of a virgin in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, and they called his name Jesus. And the reason they called his name Jesus is because uh, Jesus is salvation, for he shall save his people from their sins. Praise God. And so his name was called Jesus because he was born for this purpose to save his people from their sins. So they called him Jesus, and we came to know him as Jesus. He did not have his beginning in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, but he became flesh in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Praise God. But he has always been. He was there with the Father. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So let's understand who he is. Praise God. And then he says, he had this mind. And this mind that was in him is that I am going to empty myself I am going to go to planet earth and I am going to dwell among and live among the people that we created. Praise God. I'm going to live among them. I'm going to live like them. Do you realize that as God, he had no lack whatsoever. He had everything he could ever need. You know, he had ultimate provision for his life. As God, he had the place right there with the Father. You know, you, we, we can only imagine what heaven is, is going to be like when we get there. We can only imagine what heaven was like before Jesus came to earth. And that is, it was his dwelling place. He lived there, and in the form of God, he had unlimited power. He had unlimited knowledge. He had unlimited wisdom. He had unlimited peace. He had unlimited provision. He had unlimited everything. And yet, he chose... To be born in a manger, not because he was poor, but he was born in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. So because of that, he comes and he is born a baby totally, completely dependent upon his mother. I mean, do you realize what he, he he's He's God. He's in the form of God. And yet he emptied himself and he came into this earth as a human baby, totally dependent upon his mother. How 
how, how much did he step down in order to come to that position? You know, he wasn't born a full-grown human being walking this earth, taking care of himself. No, somebody had to take care of him because he came as a baby. As God, he was omnipresent. He, that means he could be everywhere at the same time. But as a man, he could be one place at one time. This is why Jesus said this before he went back to heaven. He told his disciples, he said, it's good for you that I go away. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the comforter won't come. And he talks about what the comforter, the Holy Spirit, would do when he comes. He said he's going to move on the inside of you. But he says, I am here. I am in a fleshly body. I can be one place at one time. Do you realize that when Jesus is walking the earth, you know, people think, wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus was still here? Well, he is in you. Praise God. But, but here's the thing. When he was here in the fleshly body named Jesus, he was walking on the shores of Galilee. You know, he didn't have modern transportation. He didn't have modern communication. You know, he's, he, he didn't have the modern comforts. And so... You know, he walked most everywhere he went. There was an occasion where he rode a donkey. I'm not sure that's a whole lot better. But, you know, he's, he, he has limited himself. Now, if you wanted to hear, during that time, if you wanted to hear Jesus preach, you had to go where Jesus was. If you wanted Jesus to come to your house and, 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 you know, if you were sick and you needed Jesus to come and heal you, you had to either go where Jesus was or do like a few people did. They went where he was, you know, and, and asked him to, or sent someone to him and said, can you come and heal my servant or can you, you know, can you come and heal this person or th that person? When Lazarus was sick, why did Lazarus die? Lazarus died because Jesus was out of town. But see, here's the thing. Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he went back to heaven. He says, good for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the comforter won't come. But so he went back to heaven and the comforter, the Holy Spirit, came in his place. And what happened when Holy Spirit came in his place? Holy Spirit moved on the inside of you. Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, or not on the day of Pentecost, but a few chapters later in Acts, the 10th chapter, um, he was preaching at Cornelius' house. And Peter stands up and he says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. 
And do you realize that the Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus to do the signs and wonders and miracles that he did, the same Holy Spirit is the one that moved on the inside of you? Praise God. So here's the deal. He is not limited anymore. This is why the, the Apostle Paul in his Ephesian prayer for the, for the saints, he said, pray that they may that their eyes may be open and they may realize what it means. Praise God that you know that Jesus came and what He did and the fullness of Him. This is He He, he refers to it like this: He is the fullness, or the church rather, the church, the body of Christ. You and I see we are the fullness of Him that fills all in all. Because how does he fill the earth? The earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. How is the earth going to be filled with the glory of the Lord? Because we are full of him and we fill the earth. That's how that happens. And it is the same Holy Spirit. You didn't get Holy Spirit Junior. You didn't get little Holy Spirit. You got full-blown Holy Spirit in all that He is. It is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in you. Praise God. So no longer is He limited to one place at one time, but He had, in order for that to happen, He had to humble Himself from being God and come in the likeness of man and dwell among us and all that that meant to him. He had to limit himself. Praise God. He did, you realize he didn't do these miracles because he was God. He did these miracles as a man because he became a man and dwelt among us. And he did these miracles as a man anointed of the Holy Spirit. Now, look at the person next to you and say, you're a man or woman, whichever the case may be, anointed of the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus was a man anointed of the Holy Spirit. And the scripture clearly tells us that the reason he was able to do miracles and signs and wonders was not because he was God, but was because he was anointed of the Holy Spirit to do it. And you're anointed of the Holy Spirit to do it. Praise God. Praise God. See, the grace, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was God and thought it not robbery to be equal with God, yet he humbled himself and he became flesh. He humbled himself and came in the likeness of men and humbled himself even further to the point of the death of the cross. Praise God. That was the mind that was in him. And now he says, let this mind be in you. You want to walk in all of the goodness and all of the blessing and all the benefit and all the power and the anointing of God that he has made available to you, that he has made possible to you. You want to walk in it? Let this mind be in you. You see, 
you're anointed of God to minister healing to the sick. Jesus told you to do it. He said, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So you're anointed of God to minister healing to the sick. But here's the mind. Here's where the mind that was in Christ Jesus comes into this. Sylvia, if you minister healing to Andrea over here, it's not because you need to be used of God to minister healing. It's because Andrea needs healing. So we, we've got that all wrong. We think it's all about us being used. No, it's all about the person that needs us to be used. You see, it's not for the benefit of the person that is working the miracle. The miracle is not for the person that's working the miracle. The miracle is for the person who is receiving the miracle. Let this mind be in you. The miracles that Jesus worked were not for the benefit of Jesus. They were for your sake. Praise God. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Praise God. For your sake, he became poor. He didn't need to be poor. You needed him to become poor. So that you could, through his poverty, become rich. Become abundantly supplied. I mean, who needs to be poor? Nobody needs to be poor. Jesus didn't need to be poor. You needed him to be poor. Because whatever he became, whatever he took upon himself, he came so you could have just the opposite of that. He became limited so you could become unlimited. Praise God. Praise God. He became poor so you could become rich. He bore your sickness and your disease when the stripes were laid on his back when he's getting ready to go to the cross. With the whip, they took your sickness and put it on him. That's what Isaiah means when he said, by his stripes, you are healed. With that whip, that Roman scourge, they took your sickness and laid it on Jesus. He didn't need that. You needed it. It was for your sake. Praise God. Let this mind be. You want to walk in all the power of God? You want to walk in, in, in what Jesus walked in? You want to demonstrate what Jesus did? Let this mind be in you. Praise God. Praise God. Now, Philippians chapter 2 Look at verse, let's, let's read all this all the way through, verse 5 through 8, for, for continuity's sake. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Praise God. Now, 
I, I want to I share something with you that out of Genesis chapter 15, and this, this shows us how that, see, Jesus stepped in and he took our place. He became all that we were. He took our place. And this, this illustrates this so well. Begin with verse number 7, the 15th chapter of Genesis. Then he, God, said to him, Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer. Now, let me pause right there for just a moment. Something is getting ready to happen here, and we're getting ready to see a covenant ceremony. Now, how would, he, he asked the question, he said, how am I going to know that you're going to do this? And he says, okay, we'll make a covenant. You see, because covenant was understood in that day and time and culture, covenant was understood to be a sure thing. You know, I mean, if, if you made covenant with someone, you sealed that covenant with blood. And when it was sealed with blood, covenant was so serious that if you failed to keep your side of the agreement, your side of the covenant, your own family, see, they're benefiting from this covenant too. Not just you, but your whole family is benefiting from this covenant. And so it was so serious that if you failed to keep your side of the covenant, then they would, your, your own family would hunt you down and kill you. That's how serious it was. And so they understood, Abram understood this. And so he says, how am I going to know? You know, how am I going to know this? And, and, and God says, okay, let's make a covenant. Now, here's what he said. He says, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all these to him, and he cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. Now, what you're seeing here is a common um, covenant ceremony that took place. You would lay, they, they would cut these animals in two and, and lay the pieces out, and then the two parties that were entering into covenant with one another, they would walk between the pieces. Okay? So this is what's getting ready to happen. In verse number 12, uh, or 11, says, Then the vultures came down and on the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on a upon Abram. And behold, horror... And a great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs, 
and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years, and also the nation whom they serve I will judge afterward, and shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried at a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down, now notice here, when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between the pieces. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I will give this land from the river Egypt to the great river Euphrates and all those ites. You can read those. But we won't even try to go there. But uh, I want you to see what just took place here. Abram, a, a deep sleep fell upon him. Now, why did he went to sleep? God's getting ready to make covenant with him, and he goes to sleep, or God puts him to sleep is essentially what happened. Now, why did God put him to sleep? He put him to sleep to take him out of the process. And in a covenant ceremony, a surrogate was permitted to stand in the place of one of the parties in the covenant. And so notice here, God puts Abram to sleep, and then there is a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between the pieces. Now, what that tells me, God the Father and the pre-incarnate Jesus, God the Word, came and the two of them passed between the pieces. Jesus, God the Word, came and he took Abram's place in this covenant ceremony. So God cut a covenant that day, which was between him and Abram, but the surrogate, God the Word, stood in the place of Abram. Now, why did he do that? He did that so that Abram couldn't mess it up. How many know that we have a propensity toward messing stuff up? And so God made a covenant with the human race. All those who are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. See, that's what the Bible says. Those who are of faith are the seed of Abraham. Jesus came as the seed of Abraham, and those who believe upon him are the seed of Abraham. We are all the seed. He, he says he made this covenant with his seed, not seeds, plural, but seed as of one, which is Christ. 
That's in your Bible. We're, we're trying to rush through this morning. It's in your Bible. But he says, your seed, which is one, which is Christ. He made a covenant between himself and the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the deal. We are in Christ. So if we are in him, then we are joint heirs and joint heirs with him. We become, we have become the seed of Abraham through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he took us out of the way because do you realize that it is impossible for you to mess this covenant up? That you have come into through your faith in Jesus? You've entered into this covenant. Jesus, as he, just as for your sakes, he became poor. So for your sake, he became the surrogate in this covenant relationship for your sake so that the blessing could come upon you. And he made it so you can't mess it up. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news to know I can't mess this thing up? You know, I mean, sometimes we act like we're even trying to mess it up. But you can't mess this up. Because Jesus became you in that covenant. And so if Jesus don't mess it up, you can't mess it up. And I got news for you. He's not going to mess it up. Praise God. Praise God. So when we begin to understand that, look at this. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse number five, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, you became saved. Remember, we started off with, you know the grace. Here's the grace that he for your sakes. That, that's what grace is, he for your sake. Praise God. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, he made us alive together with Christ by grace for your sake. Praise God, you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Now, what's he telling us there? He's saying that he did all this. You have been raised up and seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus for your sake. Let this mind be in you for your sake. He did this, praise God. So he entered into this relationship with the Father for your sake, on your behalf, in your place. Praise God. And you have been seated there. And he says the reason is so that in the ages to come, he might show the exceed. That sounds like for your sake, right? So he might show something to you, that he might do something for you. He did this in order that to, to make it possible that he could do something for you. He made it possible that he could show the exceeding riches of his grace 
in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved. Once again, for your sake. He became so that you could be saved. You have been saved by grace. You have been saved through faith. Through faith, what does that mean? Well, is, it, is it grace or is it faith? Well, it was by grace, but faith enters into it in that you have to believe it. That, that's your part. You just, you, you just believe it. And not, get this. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. So even the faith was not your own ability. He gave you the faith to be saved. Praise God. So you don't even have to worry about that. All you have to do is say, Lord, hey, Lord I'm struggling with this, but you said, that the, the faith is not mine anyway. You said it was a gift. Yeah, it's, it's mine by, by a gift, but it's not my, by my own ability. It's not by my own ability. I don't even have the ability to have faith to get saved. But he, for my sake, gave me the faith to be saved. Praise God. And the reason is, is that leaves no one with an excuse. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So he left no room for anyone to boast and say, I did this for myself. It was all this mind which was in him, that though he was in the form of God, yet for your sake he came. For your sake he became. He stood in your place for your sake. Praise God. That's grace. You know the grace that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Praise God. He came. Now, he says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 Here's what he says to us. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. He says, I did this for you. Now let me live through you. Let me love through you. Let me forgive through you. Let me be through you. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we thank you today for the mind 
which was in Christ Jesus. All for our sake, he became flesh and he dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. Here's what Paul said to the Ephesians. He says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Praise God. Christ in you is the hope of glory. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he did something for your sake. He came and dwelt among us. He limited himself. And he came in your place and became what you are so you could become what he is. And how do you become a recipient of that? Believe. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. The believing's easy. You just got to be willing to believe. Just be willing to believe. He, he even said the faith to believe is a gift. So right now, maybe you're struggling. You say, well, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time believing all that. Are you willing to believe? Let me ask that question. Are you willing to believe? If you're willing to believe, he'll give you the faith to believe. Praise God. So right where you are, just, just, just say this. Say, God, I'm willing to believe. I'm willing to believe. You said that the faith to believe is a gift from you. So I'm willing to believe. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Praise God. So I want you to pray this with me today. I'd like everyone to pray this. Wherever you are, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And if you pray this and you mean this, with, if you're serious about it, if you're not, nothing will happen. But if you mean it, then when we say amen at the end of this prayer, that means so be it. When we say amen, then what we just prayed will become reality in your life. You will be saved. Praise God. So let's say this together. Say, God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he took my place, that he paid for all of my sin, and then you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Today I choose Jesus. I put my trust in Jesus for my salvation. Jesus, be my Savior. And my Lord. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love.